I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The FT The government has restricted how much can be put into a pension, but could it affect you? Investors are being urged to put money market funds in their SIPs and ISAs, but do these work out better than cash? And if you too are bitten by the gold bug, how should you invest, gold bars or mining companies? All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Alice Ross, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. Ellen Kelleher. Hello. And our special studio guest, Tom Whitfail, Head of Pensions Research at Hargreaves Lansdowne. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, the government announced a big reduction in the amount that people can save into their pension and still get tax relief. A new annual allowance of £50,000 will be introduced next April, down from the current £255,000. The lifetime allowance will also be affected. Savers will in future only be able to build up £1.5 in their pension pot, down from £1.8 at the moment. The pension cuts have been called a raid on Middle England, but pension consultants have said the cuts are far better than had been expected. I'm here with Tom McPhail of Hargreaves Lansdowne. Tom, a drop of over £200,000 in the annual allowance sounds bad, but how many people will it really affect? It does sound bad, but you've got to put it into the context of what it was going to look like before the, the new coalition government intervened. They had to balance the books because of the legacy they'd been handed by the previous government. They had to find £4 billion from somewhere in the pension system. And the previous plans were tortuously complicated, would have hit particularly high earners, but would have made the entire pension system a great deal messier. There would have been knock-on implications for everyone. So to their credit... They've listened to, to, to the complaints of the pensions industry and they've tried to come up with a more balanced package which will still raise the £4 billion that they need to balance the books but is now only anticipated to hit around 100,000 people um, and in particular is likely to affect um, middle senior managers in final salary schemes who get very substantial pay rises, perhaps a big promotion, um, Small businessmen, people looking to put money from their company into their pension at the point of retirement, um, and the very wealthy, the people who've been taking advantage of this very generous allowance we've had hitherto, who, who were putting six-figure sums into their pensions and who are now going to be capped at £50,000 a year. 
But overall, we're pretty relaxed about it. We think it's a pretty balanced package of measures. Mm. And of these uh, people that will be affected in final salary schemes, uh, I understand that's one of the complications because it's going to be very hard figuring out exactly um, when you may be um, deemed to have uh, breached the limits and how exactly all that will be calculated. And you won't necessarily be the highest earner um, to be hit by it, will you? I think if you're on a relatively modest income and you get a pay rise, you could suddenly find yourself with a, an unexpected tax bill. That's right. And I think if the, the, the profile to look for is if you've got a, a long period of existing service on the books, decades already in the scheme, um, and you get a promotion, so you get a, a big jump in your pay from one year to the next, that's when you're likely to get caught out. But to their credit, again, I think one of the reasons we're quite pleased with what they've done, the coalition government's tried to come up with a, a concession that means you can use up up to four years' worth of annual allowance in one go. So you can bring forward up to the three previous years' allowance if you've not used it all up. And this will help to offset this big spike in your pension benefit build-up. I think there will still be some people caught out by this, but it's not as bad as we'd feared before we saw today's announcement. Mm. I was actually speaking to someone earlier who thought that um, the the very highest earners, even those paying the top 50% rate of tax, might take advantage of that four years um, kind of backdated annual allowance from next April and perhaps shove a whole load in then because they've, of course, been subject to um, the previous government's rules on um, restricting how much they could put into a pension. So they've only been able to put in twenty to 30,000 this year and last year. But come next year, they'll have... Oh, that's a big allowance, isn't it? That, that's like right. 200,000 or something. So we might see a little bit of sweeping up activity going on in the same way as I suspect we might see some people looking to use the current rules to retire quickly now before the new rules come in and they, they, they lose the right to dump a really big lump sum of money into their pension before they hit retirement. So I think you know, we're still working through the implications of this, but I think we're going to see that kind of activity going on over the next few months and, mm. and into the next tax year. Mm. Steve. And, and Tom, presumably, though, with an overall limit of one and a half million, which is what you can, your fund can grow to before basically yep. you lose the tax relief, even for very wealthy people, they're not, they're probably going to be perfectly happy putting 50 grand in a year, aren't they? Because over a number of years, they're going to hit that one and a half million anyway. So they didn't, they don't really need that 250 grand of flexibility that they've got or have had until now. Um, given that their overall limit is only one and a half million, it wouldn't take very long to get up there, would it? Looking at the numbers within within Hargreaves Lansdowne, we see about 1% of our clients have been putting in contributions in excess of this new annual limit over the last few years. So we're talking about a pretty small slice of the population mm. who's going to feel the, feel the pain from this, this, this cap. Um, I think... You know, you still, it'll still take a good few years to build up a pension fund of one and a half million. I think the ones who are most likely to be affected by this are the people already in their 40s, maybe their 50s, who are perhaps already looking at a pension fund of over a million pounds and who are hoping to dump a few hundred thousand more in before they got to retirement and are now going to find there's something of a restriction. A 1.5 million pound fund will still deliver a pension of around 60,000 pounds a year, inflation linked, which I think a lot of people would feel is, is, is not a bad pension to retire on. Great. So um, bad headline rates this week, but you still have the potential to build up a reasonable pension pot nonetheless. Thanks very much for that, uh, Tom and Steve. And for more on pensions and how to maximise your contributions, look out for our article in this weekend's FT Money with the Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. 
Still to come on the show: Should you buy gold or just gold miners? First, though, how to get the best rate of cash on your investments? With interest rates stuck at a record low of 0.5 percent for nearly two years now, most stock market ISAs and low-cost SIPs pay zero or virtually no interest on cash held in these tax shelters. Some investors are turning instead to money market funds as a cash alternative, as these funds pay slightly higher rates of interest than cash itself. But Steve, how safe are these money market funds? Can they really be compared to cash? Well, Alice, you're right. It's, I mean, it is a bit of a rock and a hard place, as you rightly said.、Um, we're talking about stock market ices here, not cash ices. But stock market ices, typically, the default fund for your cash or default account, if you like, for your cash, and that could be cash. That you've just put in, but not invested, or it could be dividends or whatever. Typically, they're paying absolutely nothing because the providers make something out of that money. They pay you nothing. They invest it themselves, earn perhaps a percent, and pocket the difference. So you're left with this alternative, a money market fund. Now, unfortunately, while it might say might say cash on the tin, it might say you know fund manager cash limited or something. It's not cash as you and me might know it. It's not going down to the bank and necessarily putting it in there and ensuring that that original pound is guaranteed. It's typically investing in money market instruments, which themselves are tradable and/or have a, a fluctuating capital value. What that means overall is you might put a pound in one day, come back the following day, and it's not worth a pound.、Mm. I think I remember we had that problem.、Uh, was it almost two years ago now? There was a Standard Life. Cash fund, and there was a big hoo-ha because it dropped by five percent in one day, or something like that, and which investors hadn't been expecting because cash doesn't really do that. And, and that was a case where they had gone up, and they'd invest in some even risk, arguably even riskier, well, definitely very riskier assets than asset-backed securities. The the infamous mortgage-backed securities, I think, they had a lot a lot of those. And the key point was they hadn't told investors. It wasn't as、so、much they were investing in them, they, but what they've been saying in their marketing material is, "Hey, Mr. Investor." So、you're coming up to retirement. This is a nice, safe place to hide your money.、Mm. So those securities, which in turn were very liquid,、um, they re- the fund revalued them one day, and they were down five percent. So in the end, Standard Life got、uh, fined for that, nearly two and a half million pounds.、Mm. Um, but even some of the other money market funds that people might have through ISAs, MNG High Interest, for example, which is one that's performed relatively well in the last year, it's got it earned you about two percent, which is good in this. <laughs> These are not great rates, but that, that's as bad as good as it gets. That was at one point down ten percent in two thousand and eight, because of fears that the banks issuing what were then floating rate notes, this money market instrument, that the banks themselves would go bust, and therefore there was a reduction in the capital value to reflect that risk.、Mm. Well, if you can earn, I mean, if you're talking about say two percent on these cash funds,、mm. and I assume that that M and G is. One is one of the better ones versus zero point five percent, maybe on on normal、yeah. cash. Is it worth the risk? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? I mean, some people would say it's not worth the risk because we're only talking small amounts of money, and you might only be talking about short periods. It might be a few dividends. It might be a、uh, tax relief on your pension that's just sitting in there, and you're just waiting to decide which investment to put in. But it could, of course, be. A lot of money, potentially a six-figure sum, even more than a million pounds. We've just been talking about pensions in the run-up to retirement. You might want to get out into cash and and be waiting five years to retirement. I I was talking to an ISA millionaire last week who had 
£300,000 in one of these money market funds. And he was earning thousands of pounds a year of return that he compared to absolutely nothing he'd have got from his broker. Um, so in that instance, clearly in aggregate, the returns could be that much better. But then, of course, you might say the guy coming up to retirement, the last thing you might want him to be doing was uh, risking his hard-earned pension fund in something that looks like cash but isn't cash. Mm. So as ever, unfortunately, the answer really is you've got to know exactly what you're investing in, which in turn isn't that straightforward. You'll look, you'll look at the company's prospectus, the fund fact sheet, and you'll come up with all sorts of things saying AAA and floating rate notes. And you'll end up having to talk to Tom, of course, at Hargreaves Landsland and ask him what on earth this means. <laughs> I mean, what, what's your view on this? I, I think with, um, with these funds, you, know, you mentioned the M&G fund paying 2%, and that's about as good as it gets. Now, you're not keeping pace with inflation. I don't see that as an investment. I see it as a holding position. Uh, if you're looking at anything like a medium to long term, then you shouldn't really be in cash at the moment. You have to go into cash from time to time as a short-term position. And you mentioned cash flow on your SIP. And particularly, if, you're, if you've got money washing it out, inevitably, you're going to be in cash from time to time. Um, the low-cost SIPs are, are not going to give you a high return on your money there. They're not designed to. These are effectively current accounts for holding money as you move it around in, in between investments. And you make money off it, don't forget, uh, Tom. So. Uh, and the, the, it's a way of funding the low-cost SIP is a nicer way of putting it. But it's Believe me, the margins are very, very thin these days. And, and indeed, they are now fully disclosed. So if you're looking at the money market funds... It, it, it's perhaps better than simply the cash accounts, but if you're looking at anything sort of longer term, then you might want to be looking to something where you're going to have to accept a degree more risk with, with, with bond funds um, or absolute return funds. I mean, there are alternatives there to look at. Uh, so I, I, I think given, given where inflation is at the moment, using, using the cash funds is, is, is only ever going to be a pretty short-term position. Mm -hmm. And similarly in the direct market, you, you know, some advisors would say buy an individual gilt and hold it to maturity or an individual corporate bond, which you could buy with relatively short term and you would you know subject to the company or indeed the government not coughing up at the end you would get a guaranteed return mm. so various options within your sip or isa but just bear in mind the risks associated with each of those options thanks for that steve and tom and for full details of what you can do about getting a better rate on cash and your pension read steve's article in the ft money section this weekend and on our website ft.com forward slash money finally today gold the gold price is continuing to hit record highs, in nominal terms at least, as investors pile into the metal because of its safe haven qualities as the economic outlook continues to be somewhat murky. Physical gold is proving particularly attractive with uh, private investors, who are now even bigger buyers of gold than industry. Banks across the world are reopening their gold vaults to cope with this demand. But other investors are looking at gold mining companies as the best way to gain exposure to the metal. Um, Ellen, you've been looking at gold this week. What do you think is the best bet of those two options? Well, I think the opinions are split. I mean, for long-term investors, definitely it seems that buying into a natural resources fund, which is quite diversified across uh, a lot of uh, metals, is uh, a much better bet than buying into the gold price. But uh, there is still an argument that, holding physical gold is uh, 
still a terrific diversifier at this point in time, given the volatility in the currency markets. And now we have this prospect of QE or government debt buybacks um, is around the corner. And so this is all sort of adding to the climate of uncertainty. And, you know, we saw this week the gold price go to above 1380 uh, per troy ounce, which is really astonishing. Um, But you know, the last time it was so high was during the Afghan conflict in the 1980s. And at that time, I think it was above 2000 an ounce. Uh, so there is still room for it to grow. Uh, and um, advisors and uh, private bankers all seem to think that clients should have about a 5% holding in gold. You mentioned the gold price possibly going further. Um, obviously, some people think it could go further. Some people think it could collapse. But a lot of people hold gold not not for the price rise, do they? They just hold it as a pure safety kind of thing because they like the the idea of holding something physical that they feel can't really change. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's almost a quasi-currency, especially in these sorts of times where people are really concerned about paper currencies and um, debt levels are spiraling out of control. And the central banks, you know, the idea is that, you know, a lot of these, well, do the central banks really know what they're doing? And, um, you know, you have this face-off now between China and the U.S. in terms of their currency. So gold is uh, quite appealing because it's neutral. And a lot of advisors think, well, you know, these sort of high gold prices are here to stay for the foreseeable future. So if you do decide to buy the physical gold, how easy is that to do? Presumably, you don't have to buy a bar of gold yourself. Well, the obvious way um, to do it is just to go in and buy a gold-backed exchange-traded fund um, when they trade like shares. uh, And they're backed by bullion. Uh, and they have really opened up the market to private investors. Um, years and years ago, you know, private investors just didn't have the opportunity to buy gold because um, the market was so regulated. Uh, and now, as you said earlier, they own more gold than the central banks do. So that's a real sort of change in the market. Mm. And the mining companies, presumably there's more volatility there, I imagine, and they're more exposed to the kind of the commodity cycles going up and down. Yes, absolutely. But they also um, benefit from uh, diversification as well. Um and there's a lot of M&A activity now in the sector. So their fortunes are obviously tied to the gold price. But yeah, there are sort of big, bigger business issues that these mining companies face that could affect their fortunes more. Mm-hmm. So it might be worth taking a punt on a mining company rather than just buying a gold bar for the time being. Thanks for that, Ellen. Um, and if you'd like to know more about how to put gold into your portfolio, look out for Ellen's article in FT Money this weekend. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Steve, Ellen and our special guest, Tom McPhail from Hargreaves Lansdowne. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.